Peace and Black Power family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And I don't have my co-host, Marcy Lee, with me today, but I do have a special guest, and her name is Jade. And today we're going to interview Jade. Jade is a thought leader. She is also an activist. She's an educator, among many other things. And many of our Necessary Blackness podcast listeners may be familiar with Jade from Fly Nubian Queen. I had the opportunity of being on that broadcast. Uh, A lot of y'all might have heard her on Clubhouse. You might have seen her in the physical presence at the Foundation Black American Conference, which she was the co-host of. So, Jay, welcome to Necessary Blackness Podcast. It's been a long time in the making to get you on here. How are you, my sister? I'm good. Peace and Black Power, Brother Raheem. Thanks for having me on. And shout out to our sister, Marcia, who's also amazing. I had the privilege of meeting her and also being in a room that y'all did together on Clubhouse. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, listen, we ain't going to waste no time. There ain't no commercial breaks here. We're going to get right into it. I wanted you on this podcast because I I definitely respect what you do. Um, I have witnessed you you out in the streets in uh, D.C. uh, protesting anti-black racism, police brutality. Um, I know that you work in the educational system um, against anti-black racism. And also, I know you're part of the initiative of Clearing the Air. So I wanted to talk about clearing the air today with you. And one of the topics I wanted to talk about was the Grammys. Now we have the Grammys coming up. Um, This is the, what, the 63rd Grammy Award? I believe it's the 63rd Grammy Awards. It's coming up this Sunday, the 14th of March. Um, I have not watched the Grammys, honestly, in all, you know, all transparency since I was a kid. I don't support it. Uh, I don't like the music, the artists, the things that they prop up. I feel like, you know, our sacred musical culture um, has been bastardized and these people get to profit off of it. But yes, the Grammys are coming up this Sunday. And unfortunately, there are a lot of artists that we're seeing year in and year out that are getting rewarded Black artists who are being rewarded for really, really toxic, uh, misogynistic, anti-Black, violent, drug culture, thought culture type lyrics, and I'm just not here for it. So let's clear the air on that, brother. Um, as someone who has been in, you know, entertainment and around, you know, the music industry and in various things in in, in media and in entertainment, what do you think about the Grammys this year? I think that we shouldn't even be particular in the Grammys um, for their lack of appreciation of black culture. And I think because of the pressure that was put forth that um, they are starting to try to recognize uh, black artists, but the ones that are recognized and is not of deserving of any accolades and any praises. Uh, one particular song is called Rockstar. And this song that's being nominated is talking about shooting niggas. So this is the narrative that the Grammys are painting. You know, it's bad enough that they don't appreciate your music, but when they do give you some sort of acknowledgement, as minimum as it is, 
it's about shooting niggas. So I think that in itself deserves um, for individuals to divest and boycott and continue to boycott the Grammys. Um, there was a letter that was written. There's several organizations that's on board. And I want you to talk about the organizations that are on board. I know uh, a few of them by name. And I have my paper somewhere where I've written it down. I will find it. But there are several organizations that are on board that's calling for um, the sponsors to remove their sponsorship and for us as individuals to no longer support it. And um, many of us don't support the music, those that are conscious. Let's, let, let's, let's be aware of that, right? But there is a segment of society that does like that type of music. And we know about programming. The more that they hear it, the more that it's embraced by mainstream and pop culture, where they have uh, one of the biggest platforms for that day will be the Grammys, where all eyes is on the Grammys. This uh, will paint a picture of Black America that is not is not conducive to us as a people, and it doesn't push the culture forward because someone was nominated in the rap category. So, um, do you have the letter? Do you want to talk about the letter, sister? I do. So thank you for that um, introduction and for setting that context. So this this letter is, you're right, the, this is the 63rd. They've been around for 63 years, by the way, capitalizing off of Black music. But anyway, but this is an open letter um, and it's signed from the Hood Research Detroit uh, Clear the Airwaves Project, as well as the National Black Leadership Alliance. So I'm going to go ahead and read this letter. Um, it's 2021 63rd Annual Grammy Awards disgraces and demeans Black people by nominating songs about shooting N-I-G-G-E-R-S. And this is um, this open letter was brought to the attention of uh, Harvey Mason Jr., who's the chairman and recording academy of the Recording Academy, Tammy Hurt, who's the vice chair of the Grammys, and Tammy Hemmings, who is the secretary treasurer. So listen to this, y'all. It says modern day rap music is a primary ingredient of hip-hop music and culture. The origins of rap can be traced back to the West African griot tradition. Griots were an important part of the culture and social life in the village. Griots told and retold the historical narratives and oral traditions of their people, keeping their stories and traditions alive. The griots may may use their vocal expertise for gossip, satire, and political commentary. They focused on bringing families together and providing positive narratives in difficult times and times of turmoil and pain. It says the evolution of rap music has not been positive. Many rappers today write and perform songs that graphically describe violence, substance abuse, misogyny, and materialism to excessive measures. They are characterizing a factually ugly and dysfunctional condition of life. Remember, rap is an artistic depiction of real life in American cities and ghettos. Um, these geographic locations are characterized by limited educational availabilities, poverty, and the ubiquitous racism. It says, while all of this is true, it is equally true that some of today's rap music reflects a Black American culture that is negative in nature. It is the very same false and negative perception of Black American culture that the dominant white culture has been attempting to assign to us 
for centuries of violent, misogynistic, uncaring, inhumane, and negative culture. This perception is an urban myth, and regrettably, many rappers are assisting in reinforcing this big lie. For instance, the multiple Grammy-nominated song Rockstar, mm-hmm. a song with lyrics about shooting N-I-G-G-E-R-S, replaced the N-I-G-G-E-R with any other offensive racial epithet, and there would be no chance that the Grammys would nominate the song for an award. Absolutely. The glorification of these artists slash rappers who push this dangerous narrative by giving them awards of merit is a huge mistake. Unless you desire to to perpetuate the myth of the negative black American culture, Recording Academy, if this is not your goal, then we are demanding that you cease and desist immediately bestowing Grammy nominations of merit to writers and performers who depict Black American culture in a dangerously false and negative manner. Additionally, we will turn our attention to the sponsors. We will urge our people to withdraw support from your sponsors if this devious practice of continuing to recognize and award performers and writers of this horrific and negative content persists. Signed, Hood Research Detroit, Clear the Airwaves Project, and National Black Leadership Alliance. Yeah, that was powerful. That was powerful. And the the reason why that letter hits so hard and it resonates with me, because it talked about the evolution of rap and how it started out as an artistic expression to talk about the conditions that we lived in. And a lot of people will say, well, this is the reality of these rappers. And actually it's not. A lot of them are not involved in the streets. And those that was formerly involved in the streets, once they reach a certain level and amass a certain amount of money, they're no longer connected to the streets. They live out in the suburbs. A lot of them is married with wives and kids, and they live a normal life, despite what they say on record. Let's be clear about that. And we have to do something about it. You know, we can't just always talk about anti-blackness when it comes from racist white supremacists and not when it comes from our own people. And it's a detriment to us as a people. And I'm glad that organizations are on board to put a cease and desist to this. And- um, Absolutely. And there's another letter as well from the National Congress of Black Women Incorporated. Yeah, that, that that's the second letter. What do you think, like if there's someone that's listening and they're part of an organization or part of a group or just as individuals, what do you think they can do? Because we don't wanna just talk about the problems. We wanna be solution oriented. What do you think they can do to help remedy this problem? Absolutely. I think it would be a great idea for folks to get on code and reach out to the board of the Grammys, um, reach out to their sponsors, write similar letters, make calls, and also tweet and retweet these letters and hashtag the Grammy Awards. We get something going on social media that's bringing attention to the Grammys rewarding, I can't even call it art, I can't call it music. if we can put pressure on the Grammys and bring public attention to the Grammys actually rewarding and nominating death culture, black death culture, promoting black genocide, because that's exactly what it is, right? 
drug culture, genocide, prostitution, all of these horrible, horrific caricatures of Black society that don't define us or actually that we don't resonate with, right? Um, if we get a hashtag going, you know, their worst nightmare is press. No corporation that knows that they survive on the black dollar is want to, that none of them want to be seen as racist or put into that category, right? As anti-black racist, especially not, you know, in the wake of all of the uprisings that took place last year, you know, after the, the genocides and the lynchings of black people, such as George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, et cetera, took place. And so I think that the average person who's listening, who wants to support, write a letter, send an email, but use your social media and hashtag the Grammys and condemn them for promoting these such artists and that we are demanding that they cease and desist doing this. And they're also going after the sponsors and then boycotting them. Listen, I am not going to spend money with a corporation that is endorsing lyrics or art or propaganda that promotes black death and black genocide dysfunctionality. I am not gonna support any award show or artist or corporation that is, you know, benefiting and capitalizing off of uh, these anti-Black racist caricatures, because we know that all art is propaganda. And so it starts with, you know, you put the idea out that Black women are hypersexual, uh, their bodies are objectified, et cetera, et cetera, and that Black men are sexual deviants, are very, very violent, et cetera. All of that goes into the psyche of the average person in America, black, white, any other color, and then also around the globe in this global prison system of white supremacy. They internalize really, really negative views about foundational black Americans, especially. And so what that looks like in the world and in real time is like these policies, right? And the mistreatment that ensues as a result of what people have subconsciously accepted as a fact these horrible caricatures that are coming out of the entertainment industry. It has to stop right now in 2021. All right. I'm going to ask you another question. Um, I want to play devil's advocate to a degree. Recently you had um, Maxine, Water, Warner, uh, Maxine Waters, one of the most highest ranking uh, Congresswoman, endorse Megan Thee Stallion and said that her music was empowerment for women and she could see why women are empowered by it and gravitate towards it um can you give our uh listeners some uh, uh insight and unpack you know what she actually said and how is that detrimental because there'd be people saying y'all concerned about the grammys well maxine waters you know is is big in uh uh, Megan Thee Stallion up, whose music is detrimental to our culture. So you want to talk about that? Unfortunately, and I say this respectfully, our elder yeah. representative, Maxine Waters, respectfully, um, I think she's doing the wrong thing by endorsing uh Meg Thee Stallion's music. And again, this is not anything for me. My commentary and my idea, my position on this is has nothing to do with attacking either Representative Maxine Waters or Meg Thee Stallion as people or as Black women. However, as Black, not, not however, because I'm not negating that fact. In addition to that, because this is a both and situation, in addition to that, 
this sort of promoting the um, objectifying of the female body, capitalizing off of sexuality, um, promoting what I call thought culture, prostitution culture, and normalizing it is extremely damaging to the culture. And for our representative Maxine Waters, especially who is an elder, I expect a lot more from her. We need to look to older women in our community um, as as leaders, as as stewards of the culture. You know, someone who um, as role models, as people who would enforce and set a really high standard in terms of um, who we are and how we define ourselves as black women and not feed into these uh, over-sexualized um, and, and really disgusting uh, caricatures of black women. And so I feel like, unfortunately and respectfully, Representative Maxine Waters made a mistake. So the long story short is uh, Meg Thee Stallion wrote an open letter and it's, it was about like talking about defending and protecting black women. She wrote it at the end of 2020, at the end of 2020 when she did an award show and you know, she performed and then she used the platform and that opportunity, that performance opportunity to promote justice for Breonna Taylor. I thought that that was a very honorable thing. A lot of black celebrities do not take political positions or strong positions. Um, in talking about or speaking out against anti-Black racism. So for that, I do commend our sister Meg Thee Stallion for doing that. And at the same time, for me, the contradiction lies in, you're saying protect all Black women, all Black women should be protected, and yet music and lyrics that you're promoting and creating and, and putting out there for mass consumption does the opposite. It actually uh, paints Black women, in my opinion, a lot of Black women will disagree with me, but in my opinion, it portrays us in a very, very, very savage manner, um, a very hypersexualized manner, and in a way that sends signals out there that it's okay to look upon Black women um, as objects, right? And this idea of capitalizing off of sexuality, a lot of folks in 2021 believe that this is actually women's empowerment. I believe it sets us back thousands of years. Um, it is not something that I endorse. And, and quite frankly, for our sister, Meg Thee Stallion, Representative Maxine Waters, and other Black women, and even some Black men who are promoting these um, hypersexualized um, portrayals of Black women are doing a disservice to Black girls and are also setting Black girls up and Black women up to be harmed. That is that is my position on that. That's not my opinion. That is my position. I'm taking a very firm position on that. Um, I see it as problematic, and that paradigm has to shift. Absolutely, and I know you said respectfully, right? I don't know how respectful I can be in saying this, but uh, maybe she got some money to her campaign. I don't know. Because this 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 was way 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 off cold, you know. And when you read her commentary of why she says that um, she likes the music, she endorses it, and she feels that it's empowerment for women. Because she said that in the '80s and '90s, you know, um, male rappers um, was making derogatory music towards females. Now females are taking their power back and they are um, expressing their thoughts and their sexuality. 
I just, I just, you know, the justification for that, it was just, it just went over my head. I couldn't understand that. But for those, I see we got a couple of comments. For those that are just joining us and just coming in the room, this is Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I am here with Jade of Fly Nubian Queen, and Jade is a thought leader, an activist, and she is spitting some hot fire today. <laughs> and if you really want that fire, you got to go into the chat rooms. Yeah, you have to get on Clubhouse and, and check Jade out. And um, I really like to definitely big up, man, our sisters, because it's not every day that um, we get the opportunity to have sisters come on our platform. I try to get as many as I can that um, can really articulate themselves and um, speak truth to power. Most of the times, you know, if you go through uh, YouTube and social media, it's mostly all the brothers, you know what I mean? And I always want to um, highlight and uplift our sisters. So for the second half of the podcast, we got about 20 more minutes and we're not going to um, hold Jade up. Jade had a very, very busy day today. And um, I'm just thankful that she still allowed time to come and join us. Now for the second part, I, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. And um, that's political prisoner, Mumia Abu-Jamal. Um, there is no denying that um, this man should have been freed a long time ago. There's no denying the fact that he's a political prisoner, not because they believe that he uh, shot a, a police officer and that's what they accused him of. It's because of his voice, of his writing, and his bold stance to fight for the liberation of black people. If you ever read any of his books, and I read all three of them, this is a very powerful brother. And um, still in, in, being incarcerated and, and facing adversary, he, he's standing stronger than ever. And recently it was revealed that um, he caught COVID-19. And he's an elder, and he should be freed from prison. Um, he already um, has certain medical conditions that are, um, pre I guess they call it pre-existing conditions, right? When you have prior conditions that will make catching COVID very devastating for our brother. Yes. And um, you had recently did a video, um, and you documented it where you you know there was a, a petition out and you called up to the prison and um i think he was asking for the superintendent or, or someone to that nature i know it was a high-ranking official and they said he's not available <laughs> you said could you leave a voice message they say you don't have a voice message I, I thought that was crazy um but that that was very inspiring you know um for you to call up there and, and people could see the process. Like, this, it's not a hard process because they got to answer the phone and we need to flood those lines. I want you to talk about um, the situation with uh, Mumia and, and bring us up to date to what you know thus far. Yes. Yeah, so um, shout out to our freedom fighter and elder Mumia Abu-Jamal. Um, he was let off of death row. I believe it was back in 2008. 
Um, he was on there for a considerable amount of time. He, um, there was a worldwide movement to get him off of death row. So, um, you know, a worldwide movement stopped him from being executed. Um, yeah, he was a 15-year-old spokesman for the Black Panther Party in Philadelphia. And he was targeted uh, by the F COINTELPRO and the FBI. And so he definitely should have been released by now. So um, what we know right now is that his pre he, he has pre-existing conditions by the Rahim. I mean, it's just it's horrible. Um, he was most recently diagnosed with COVID-19. He also has congestive heart failure, which is where, you know, blood is not pumped to your heart, you know, it's significantly, you know, um, you know, enough sufficiently yeah. rather and also hepatitis C. So we know, what we know today is that Mumia, they're saying that he's still in the prison infirmary, um, that the worst phase of the COVID infection is over, not that he's in the clear. This is from an activist, someone who um, gave an update to the Philadelphia Inquirer about his condition. And unfortunately, that because he has hepatitis C, has a lot of like lacerations and sores and open wounds on his skin. And he's supposed to be getting a medical skin treatment in a in the form of a bath every single day per doctor's orders. And he has not been getting that. That is the last update I've gotten. Um, I do have comrades and we will be, you know, connecting, you know, this week. And so I'll hopefully have some more updates by tomorrow morning and definitely as we're going through. But I implore everyone to pray for our brother, to call the Mahanoy prison. You can go um, on Instagram and look up or you go on Twitter and look up Mumia Abu-Jamal's official Twitter account. You can also go over to my Instagram at Lioness Crown and you can see the flyers that we were using that had been circulated via an official Twitter for him. Um, and, and call, call the, the Pennsylvania district, district attorney's office and call various people um, at the prison, at Mahanoy State Prison in Pennsylvania. Uh, Bennett is the name of the superintendent. I kept calling back. I was like, let me speak to this person. Let me speak to that person. I was like, at one point I was like, let me speak to Mahoney. And the lady was like, there's no Mahoney here. <laughs> the superintendent is Bennett. Well, give me her voicemail. This is after I called several times and there's, they claim that there is no voicemail for the superintendent because it's a safety issue and this is a prison. And I was like, okay, I've never heard of that before, but we're gonna keep calling. So y'all make sure you all, please, please, please um, keep that energy and that fire for our elder and freedom fighter. And I'll give you all a few numbers. And actually, as we're talking about this right now, I have comrades who have been checking in on this. Um, uh, oh Lord, okay. So I'm getting word that there, there is international support for our brother Mumia Abu-Jamal. This info was on WBAI FM 99.5 radio in New York City. So when we get off of this, I need to go back and check that broadcast out. And um, we'll definitely have more information. I actually want to do a part two to this because I'm sure, Brother Rahim, there's going to be more and more updates yeah. coming out about um, Mumia Abu-Jamal. Um, our freedom fighter and esteemed elder. And he needs to be, what we're doing is we're demanding an immediate unconditional release from prison for Mumia. We want him in a hospital, right? Not in a prison infirmary. He needs to be out of prison. He needs to be completely released. And we're also calling for the release of all elder 
prisoners, political prisoners, I was going to say prisoners of war, yeah, prisoners of war too, right? We, we are all prisoners of war in the global prison system of white supremacy. But we definitely need to look out for our elders. They need to be released. He needs to be conditionally released. So this is what you can do. Take action. This is what we're demanding. We demand the immediate release, treatment, and hospitalization, not solitary, of Mumia, an innocent elder who has COVID-19. This is per the Twitter. And you can find this on my Instagram page. Superintendent SCI of Mahanoy is Bernadette Mason. It's a woman. Bernadette Mason. The number is 570-773-2158. 570-773-2158. Y'all can rewind, brother, um, the Necessary Blackness uh, podcast to get these numbers. The next one is Pennsylvania DA Larry Krasner, K-R-A-S-N-E-R. That number is 267-456-1000. Another number to the prison, the Mahanoy prison is 570-773-2158-570-773-2158. And then the PADOC secretary, John Whitesell, is 717-728-2573, 717-278-2573. And also, Mumia Abu-Jamal's inmate number is A as in Apple, M as in Mark, 8335. A as in Apple, M as in Mark, 8. 8- Three three five, and when you call, if you go on my, um, if you go on his official Twitter, and if you go on my IG page at Linus Crown, the script is also there. You can call and say, "Hello, my name is," and I, de- "Hello, my name is," and I demand one, the immediate and unconditional release of Mumi Abu Jamal, who has COVID nineteen and is vulnerable. Two, the immediate release of all political prisoners. Three, the immediate release of all elders aging prisoners over the age of 50, people who have contracted COVID and all others who are especially vulnerable to death through COVID-19. We demand that Mumia be medically treated in a hospital and released immediately. That is the script, that is the code. We invite you all to please go over and make these calls. And let me remind you our family, for those that don't know the history about uh, Mumia. not too many years ago, um, he was in uh, dire need of medical treatment that he was denied. Um, he, he, he was, his hair was falling out. He was losing weight. And from community support, he wound up getting the treatment. But it, but it messed his liver up because he should have got it uh, sooner. So this is the demonic type of people that we're dealing with. Remember, he, he, he was condemned to death row. He's no longer on death row, but they're still trying to kill him because of his voice. So we have to be on this topic. And you mentioned the DA Larry, what was the name again, the last name? Krasner, K-R-A-S-N-E-R. Let me tell you about this DA. This DA was voted in by the majority of black people in Philadelphia, right? This supposed to have been a real progressive DA that said he was going to come in, he was going to prosecute police, and you know, and everybody voted for him because he was he was supposed to be on the right side of history. Guess what? 
he got to be voted in again. Pressure need to be put on him. And if he doesn't do the right thing, he's going to be Donald Trump. You know what that means, right? Donald Trump is one term. That's it. You out of here. So we have the power to do this, family. You know what I mean? So let's let, let's get down to the business. So, Jay, we are approaching the 35-minute mark. Um, I, I appreciate, you know, having this conversation with you more so than anything. I think this was a good interview because you gave two calls of action. So, family, we got some work to do. And listen, what we asking y'all to do takes less than a minute. It takes less than 60 seconds. So, let, let, let's get on it. In closing, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you or anything that you want to say in your last closing words? Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I think we should really do this again sooner than later. I mean, I will make time this week, definitely, if you can, by Friday or something, because I know that um, there will be more updates, hopefully favorable ones, about the condition of our elder and political prisoner, Mumia Abu-Jamal. I do want to um, invite folks to go over to prisonradio.org. Mm. Prisonradio.org. You can find his most recent most recent broadcast. Many of them aren't longer than five minutes, honestly, because he's broadcasting from in prison. But there are other political prisoners who also have uh, radio broadcasts and contributions to prisonradio.org. Um, some of his most recent ones are. He gave the last one I heard was a really really nice heartfelt letter of love and 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 um to our new ancestor cecily tyson so he gave a tribute to her he also spoke about the january 6 events the attempted coup um the fake impeachment trial and the trial that never was with donald j trump and all of these things about capitalism and what's been going on in this country i have relied on his voice and his journalism my entire life and for my entire life literally um have been advocating for them to free Mumi Abu-Jamal. So uh, it was a big deal for me when he was let off of death row. And at that point, he really should have been released from prison. We cannot allow them to take our freedom fighters away from us. They gave their lives for us to be in the positions that we're in. So we owe it to them to really advocate. Thank you so much, Brother Raheem, for having me on. Y'all can follow me on YouTube, Instagram, Clubhouse, um, at Lion and Twitter at Lioness Crowned at Lioness Crowned. Thank you so much, brother. No Snapchat, no TikTok, no TikTok, no Snapchat. <laughs> I know it. All right, peace and black power family. I will see y'all next week, same time, same place. Peace. All right. Peace and black power.